0: You said something earlier, Alze, about you didn't want the scope of the project to fix too many things. Yeah. Why wouldn't you?
1: Right, right. That, that's, a, that's a leading question because he, know, he, knows, he knows I got a whole thing about that. <laughs> right. Thank
0: you, Jason. We're here for another episode of the Cold Star Project, the podcast about the challenges of scaling that agency owners, etc., technologists and that don't really know about and then run into and fall over. And I would rather that you know about these things beforehand so that <laughs> you don't get hurt by them. My guest today is someone I've been following for, I don't know, I guess about a year, year and a half, something like that. I was doing some Googling uh, or YouTube searching on scaling businesses and moving faster and that, and I came up with Alze Calhoun's coveted consultant channel, and he has a great series of videos there, which you should go watch, on how to productize your business and make him more efficient. So, uh, I'm super happy to have Alze on the show because when I first asked him, he didn't know who I was. And <laughs> that was quite a while ago. Uh, and since then he started a group and did a bunch of wonderful Facebook lives. And we've gotten to know each other a little bit. So thanks for being here, Alze.
1: Yes, sir. Thanks, thanks for, ha- for having me.
0: So I guess let's start with uh, what happened. What did you see out there in the marketplace, as in your coveted consultant role, that led you to, oh my goodness, we need to do things differently?
1: Okay, yeah, all right. So uh, I think first is it happened to me. Okay. So so there's so there I'm I'm sensitive to it because it happened to me. Um, and so what is it? Um, it is this sense of the business being overwhelming is the sense of being well-intentioned, being uh, talented, uh, being profitable, but the business itself being overwhelming. And um, so what do I do about that? What do I do about that? Um, uh, the, the very short story is, because uh, I've sold services a lot of different ways, but the very short story is I was selling services um, Um, And I had kind of niched into marketing services and being an agency. I was doing done-for-you marketing services. Um, And I was selling everything I knew how to do, whether it was video, written, text, sequences, email, landing pages, uh, content, uh, 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 content upgrades, you name it, I was delivering it. I was doing everything I knew how to do, and I was selling it every way possible. And so so uh, I was selling via webinar, I was selling via video, I was selling via phone, I was selling via a uh, cold email, I was selling via warm email, I was selling via Twitter and Facebook. I was selling I mean so just imagine um, uh, what's it called uh, the exponent, right? You're doing hmm. five things five different ways, you know it, right managing the those It's factorial that, that, <laughs> thank that. you, the factorial, the factorial yeah it's 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 impossible to manage so so it so that thing just kind of just kind of crumbled crumbled on onto me so i'm i'm hyper aware of that if you will and and what i became and what happened to me as i was working with 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 other people is is even in the in the area of just being a consultant kind of doing doing the the done for you stuff is they were as crazy as i was looking into their business i'm i'm seeing the mirror you're nuts too this is crazy. This is wild. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to those who you serve. Everyone's crazy. This is not good. It's just not good. So um, there are a couple couple big lessons that, that, that come from that as it relates to, to the audience here. Uh, number one is that it happened to me. I was feeling the pressure myself. Number two is as I, as I began to productize, not a word I made up as a term of art, but some folks are more or less familiar with the term. As I began to productize I realized where my business was best where I was best and a pivot was needed in my business hmm. so not only is this thing called productizing valuable but I realized that you know what I don't think I'm serving my clients the best doing done for you marketing services I'm better I, I serve them better so um business coaching is what I'm better at and it now it's an it's a word 10 years ago it wasn't really a thing people it wasn't a thing p- p- people claimed uh but w- Whatever job I was in back when I was employable, that's what I was. I was a business coach. Call it what you like. Internal consultant, uh, strategic advisor, whatever you want to call it. That's what I was doing. And so um, I pivoted. I I, I pivoted inside my own business. So then uh, your direct question was, you know, what am I saying when I'm out there? Are reflections – of what happened to me and what does that look like very tactically there these are these are people who run service-based businesses they're consultants in some way they sell they sell software they sell done for you services they sell advice um but they are having they're having real trouble generating more business whatever business comes through uh their typical referral channels is great but they cannot get one more client they don't know where to get it from they they talk like they do bullcrap they can't get the very next client that's number one the the second thing is quietly the way they're currently operating is absolutely overwhelming now they put on their fancy suit they make their they make their videos they look so polished but behind the scenes it is what they're feeling is this humongous weight of all the factorial number of details so um long answer to to a short question but i think that provides some context here uh, on why we're talking uh, right. and and why why this uh, this matters to me so much.
0: So what what happened to you when it came to the idea of billable hours? Something changed for you there. Talk to us a little bit about that. So billable hours stink. Can we just agree? Can we all agree? <laughs> billable hours stink.
1: The whole idea of a billable hour stinks. So but it's where most. Uh, service providers begin with billing. And so if you know, in, in that way, if you're kind of just getting started, I understand it. I understand it. And, and sometimes the, the billable hour does make sense. Uh, but what what happens, the pain point for all of us is at some point you are, you've been paid by the hour and you are doing work that you're not being paid for. You, got, you build for four hours of work. You build for 10 hours of work. You build for 20 hours of work. And at some point, you're still at your desk at 7, 8, 7, 8, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m. at night, and, and you, are, you are doing work that you have not built for. You cannot charge for the work that you're doing, or you're sitting with your feet kicked up on the television, and you can't watch what you're watching because the thing is still in your mind. The client's work is still in your mind. You are working for them. You're not being paid for that. And so that's happened to me more, th- more than once. I have a variety of projects now that are flying through my brain here. But, but that's the core dynamic. So um, uh, you begin to realize that not only, not only does the billable hour not extend when, when, um, to those off times, does the billable hour not extend? When you do the hardcore math, what can you charge per hour? The most expensive right. consultant can charge what? 250 but even if you put $250 on a sheet of paper and you say, How much when the client asks, How much do you charge? You say $250 an hour, they are going to freak out on you. Uh, there's a corporate client I had some, some time ago and he told me directly, he said, I have trouble justifying anything over $75 an hour hmm. to my to my. And I'm talking I'm talking about a Fortune 500 company now. Yeah. So when hmm. they when when bills come into them, if anybody's billed over $75 an hour, they start panicking. They start looking at that really, really hard. So you know, and most companies are not Fortune 500 companies, right? So um, you, you find that it's just an out of balance. The billable hour just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for a business trying to grow.
0: So there's your problem. So what is the solution there then?
1: So the, 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 what a blog post will tell you is you sell on value. Right, that's, that's what we say. You, you sell value instead. So, uh, And I agree with that, by the way. I agree with that. But, but the door this, this opens up that we, I don't think we appreciate enough is that value is a subjective concept. What mm-hmm. value is, is subjective. No matter what when you bring it up, value is, is subjective. One. Two, you don't define value. I don't define value. Right. Jason doesn't define value. The client defines value. Mm-hmm. Don't let this, don't let, don't. Please don't, don't, don't marketing this to death, right? Don't, don't turn ourselves into a bunch of slick marketers. At the end of the day, the client you serve determines the value of what you're doing. So then, so then your job as the expert, your job as the service company is to be, is to be honest and to be clear about what your client values. And if you, if you really do that, what you find is that your client values things that you devalue. There are things that you go, I don't care about that. I, we, we do that in our sleep. And the client's going, that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm so glad you did that. You're going, so who cares? And you want to move on to the next thing, and they are just they – are, they are loving the last thing that you've done. If we are less emotional about our business, we will turn our focus to that amazing thing that, that we just mm-hmm. did. And we will center that in our business. We'll be like, you know what? We do the awesome thing. Yeah, we, we do some other stuff too, but the awesome thing we do is the stuff that you care about. Now, this is easier said than done. It's the kind of thing that you know. I don't know if we dialogue about it enough in, in, in the right way, but this idea of value, value is not defined by you. It's defined, it's defined by, by the client, and so then if, if you're clear with the client values, they will pay the appropriate dollar amount for that value. Now, that dollar amount could be 200 or 500 or 10,000, depending on what we're talking about. But they'll pay, they'll pay the appropriate amount so that you and your team can fully commit to the work. So that you don't find yourself t- cutting corners on things that you're not being paid for that end up hurting you and hurting the client over the long term. So, if you, if you heard all of what I just said that resonates with you, you really need to, to think again about what your client values most. Let that be a core service you offer, charge them for it, and do it at the highest possible level. That's fair. That's appropriate. That's the way this thing is supposed to happen.
0: Right. And I hope people picked up on the symptoms of what you talked about there, in that if you are penny-pinching because you're going, oh, no, I only have so many billable hours for this project, that is going to result in you trying to cut corners, like you said, mm-hmm. and do the project as quickly as you can, rather than as well as you can. And that's been a big thing for me over the years. I've been a sales trainer for a long time now, coming up to eight, nine years. And I teach people how to do those things, find out what your prospect values instead of what you value. Uh, And as a copywriter for about 20 years now, over 20 years, I have found a parallel thing that goes on where uh, when I'm about to write a sales letter or something and I do research, I find out that the stuff that I thought was important, the target market doesn't care.
1: That's <laughs> they, right. Yeah. They
0: value something completely different. And so uh, if you write that way and you go with your gut, you're going to bomb. So yeah. uh, it, that, that market research is so important. Let's talk a little bit more about this, these symptoms of these problems. How can people know that they're in that situation that you've been talking about?
1: This is Thank you for asking this question. This, this, is a, this is a big deal because what happens to me, and I'm sure it happens to you as well, Jason, is, and for most folks who are listening, mm-hmm. what, what, happens, what happens to us as advisors, consultants, et cetera, is the client comes to us when it's really bad. Mm. They, they come to us when you know, both arms have been severed, they're, they're wagging around like this, blood is spewing everywhere, and they're saying, save me, I want to get back on the field. And you're like back on the field. Uh, sir, you're missing arms. Like we we have a different conversation now because we, we gotta get to keep you alive, let alone functional, right? So so there, there there's a conversation of 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 what do we talk about before it gets that bad, before we get to, to to that place. So so one is simply you can't go home at night. So you know, when you work, when you work, if you work at at an office still, you know, it's five o'clock, you're still at work. Six o'clock, you're still at work. Seven o'clock, you're still at work. Eight o'clock, you're still at work. Why are you still at work? Like, what what job on the planet is that important? Where every night is an eight o'clock, nine o'clock? It, I'm sorry, unless you are in emergency services or you're or you're protecting our country, I don't, I. I it's practically, practically. Mm-hmm. So, so, th- so this becomes if your if your nights are extending, or you if you work at the office, then you come home, and here you are back with your computer, sitting in front of the computer, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. Warnings, right? We're get, we're getting in we're getting in, into those warning signs. Something that my clients my clients tell me, and normally it, t- it takes a while to get here, but sooner or later we fess up. There is a um, a family member. Has pulled your coattails. Hmm. So the spouse says, wife or husband says, uh, "Hey, can, you know, can we? Uh, what are we doing for our for our, for our birthday? My birthday, your birthday. What are we doing for our um, uh, anniversary? What are we gonna do this month? Wh- wh- where are we gonna go out for dinner?" And you're thinking, "Oh, uh, I forgot." Uh, and you do th- you do that whole thing because you've been inundated with the work you've been doing. So there are people. My point, or there are people in your life that love you and they're not getting enough attention from you because you're giving it all to the business. And you know, this stuff sounds very uh, personal development Hmm. until rubber meets the road, until there's a moment where your daughter says, daddy, where have you been? Or your, your, your son says, mommy, how come you can't play with me? All this is, is conceptual and academic until you get that hard moment where you realize how, how separate you've been. So those, those are two, and then, then we go we go to the ones that are, are um, uh, more more traditional business. I'm having trouble closing new clients, and you're having trouble clo- closing closing new clients because what you're offering is uh, uh, this could be a whole thing. So I I might I might pause here so you can you can redirect me. Uh, but but just to finish that thought, because what you're offering is uh, is too comprehensive. It uh, it's too customary. It's too custom. And so it's hard to explain all of what you do to someone who doesn't understand it, to a client who doesn't understand or really care. And so you find yourself having really trouble having trouble closing deals. Now you're fully invested, you fully pitch, Hmm. but when you when you when when the client you know speaks back, they kind of give you the what face. You're like, and then then you have that moment. So if you want to go deeper there, I, I, we we can, but I'll, I'll pause so I don't I don't go. Sure. I don't go identification.
0: Uh, we should we should dig into that because I really want to get people into the headspace of it's it can be hard to get past the ego, and yeah. especially with prospects who uh want to present the image that they've got it all together and everything's great, and they're not walking around with the blood spurting out of their shoulders right because their arms have been cut off and that. Uh, so anything that will help out uh, consultants and, and coaches and that and, and other business owners help their prospects identify that they, the danger of the situation they're really in. Yeah. I, talk about, I talk about truth, the truth as being the highest value for my company. I don't care about honesty because you can be honest and wrong. Yeah. The truth. I want to know the emperor has no clothes, right? So, yeah, um, th- let's dig into that.
1: Okay. Okay. So, so um, what, so let, let's talk about the ego. Cause the ego is very, very real and the ego works both ways. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, there's, there's a place where you can get overconfident in who you are and what you do and what you have to offer. There's a place where you're scared to death and you don't want to admit it. And so you go down that path. And, and I know you've got, you've got narrative, you've got stories on both, on both, on both ends of that with the folks, you, with the folks you, you work with from, at least for, from my, from my perspective, what, what happens it, see these are because you asked, you know come up pain points so, uh, when you know that you're that you're kind of on the way to being out of control. So ego, consultants are used to being the smartest person in the room. If you've been doing something for five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, you probably understand it pretty well. That's a that's a fair that's a fair assumption, and. And if you've been doing it that long, people have learned to count on you for your expertise and your experience and and you know the fact that that, that you've tried that thing before on some level. So you're used to being counted on in that way. And and then if you if you're running this 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 service-based business, you're used to getting in front of the client and being on stage and presenting. Is being on stage. You got your slides. You got your suit. Maybe you even got your team with you. We're doing the whole dog and pony show. That's being on stage. Then there's the literal on stage where it's you and it's 20, 20, 30 people in the audience and you're you're telling your stories on stage, even being on the phone in in a classic phone sales situation on stage. These are things are on stage where you're quote unquote, the smart person and you can be smart person. There's nothing wrong with that. The trouble is, is when you're out of balance with that. And you and and you're not listening the way you should be. So one of those things is when you when you give that 45 minute pitch and you gave it to them. I mean, you did the whole song and dance. You told them about your background, your story. You did, you did this, you did that, that. And you get that blank face back from the client. And anybody who's has a blank who's who's seen the blank face knows what I'm talking about. It's a it's, it is a it is a stare to, into in, in, into the distance, a blank stare. <laughs> you receive nothing back. You missed something. That's the point I, just, I, just, I want to just right there. You missed something. If you spent 45 minutes with someone and you didn't end up in a dialogue when you were done, if you did not have a dialogue, that you talk, they talk, you talk, they talk, mm-hmm. you missed something. Let me, let me say it another way. If you, ha- if you spent 45 minutes presenting whatever it is you have to offer and you didn't learn anything, you, you broke it. You missed something, and there are symptoms that, that, that continue. This illness gets worse, it doesn't get better. So, so this is a sign, and other signs will happen. If, if you present for 45, what am I talking about? If you present for 45 minutes, you, you were talking to a, client, uh, a prospect for four, 45 minutes, and, and at some point in that interaction, the client should acknowledge what you're saying. At some point, they should go, "That's what I've been trying to get done."." Mm-hmm. That's yes or oh, that some right. version of that, however they communicate, but there should be some acknowledgement that what you're saying is on track, and if you never get that, then it was one way it was it was a one way thing you are i'm telling you warning you are in trouble so so what happens in this if we kind of play it out so you see how this pain point le- leads to others, you pitch now the backstory there is we don't just pitch on the first time talking to somebody it took it took days weeks months to earn the right to pitch right so you've already sunk cost here you've already you've already had to had to spend to get here time money energy to get to this pitching opportunity you pitch it 45 minutes half a day sometimes depending on on the situation right you do all that you don't get the dialogue you don't get the sale good people if you don't have a dialogue you don't get a sale so then you don't close the client right? So now you're mad. Now you're driving home. You've closed your computer, right? You're back on the plane, whatever your scenario is, and you're upset. So now you spent the six months, time spent. You did the pitch, no sale. Now you're emotional because you didn't get the sale and you don't know why. Mm -hmm. So you're driving, you and your team, you talk to your wife, talk to your confidant, talk to your number two, however it works. Here you are kicking up dust and cursing and spitting because you didn't close the sale and what's wrong with the client they don't understand how good we are how much we care you're going through your whole song and dance okay to close my little story down when you go through all that what does your next day at work look like when you go through all that you wake up the next morning and you and you go to work are you sharp are you are you Stephen Covey are you Seth Godin are you Gary Vaynerchuk that next day or or are you Oscar the Grouch the next day? Uh, my team, bad proposal, more more slides, more funnels. Or are you doing that thing right now? How many days do you carry that out until you can make until you can change it for the better? How how long does does, does this story last? How how many how much longer do you extend your work day to make up for this bad thing I'm telling? Right. So this is how a day goes from being 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., 7 p.m. You justify to yourself you're working hard. Okay, I'm not saying you aren't, but are you working hard at the the right thing? Because you broke this six months ago. This this thing you're working on today at 9 o'clock at night, you broke that a long time ago. So these 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 are things that clients don't tell me this up front. It takes a while to get here, but I already know this story is happening. This is what's happening to you. (laughs) <laughs> and then so you get to the end, right? You've had this, you've had this ugly moment in your life, either business or life, and now we're all looking for the magic way to, to dig ourselves out of it. But really, what, and Jason, you know this because you've seen a lot, of, a lot of my content. We've dialogued on some of this already. What I'm describing here is an attitude shift. What I'm describing is a fundamental shift in how you're thinking. And if you'll change how you're thinking, all of that work now makes sense. The six months, you, if it takes six months to earn the right to pitch, you're okay with that. When you, when you have the 45-minute dialogue with the client, you're okay with that. You, you, it, you're having the right kind of dialogue. Whether you get the client or not, you're okay with that because you know what to take from it so that, so that your next day at work is a, is a more productive day. I believe the concept of productizing shifts everything I just said. It turns everything from being a grind to being efficient. This one concept shifts it. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, there's a lot you've got to do on your end as the expert in the room to change your attitudes, that productizing makes sense, so that you can make all this other heavy, heavy lifting make sense.
0: Awesome. You said something earlier, Alze, about you didn't want the scope of the project to fix too many things. Yeah. Why wouldn't
1: you? right right that, that's a that's a leading question because he know he knows he knows I got a whole thing about that <laughs> right thank you jason uh um, um, to so so I can speak as as simply and practically as I can. uh we already made the point about value the client values what they value so uh once once you've satisfied the hunger, once you've quenched the thirst, you're done you've done the work so so if you've um, you know, um, uh, if a single plate of food would have done, but you offer them a buffet, that that's the buffets wastes food, man. The, the 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 single plate of food got got the, got the work done. So so as consultants, we know all this stuff. We, you know, we have these, all these complex services we can we can offer, and we want to kind of shove it all down clients' throat because they they need it all. You've overfed them, and they don't they they fundamentally don't value the back end. Because, or the other stuff, because you really got it done in the, in the, in in the, in in the, in the beginning, right? In in the, in the front. So, so, so there's, 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 there's one reason. Another reason, hidden, we don't talk about it, but it's very, very true. If you're going to offer eight, nine, 10 different services, you have to have the internal capacity Mm -hmm. to offer eight, nine, ten different services. So that means you need three guys to do this thing, two guys to do that thing. You need a team to do this. you got to have triage meetings to handle this. You, there is an entire – got to carry around all those tools just in case you might need one. And you'll use it once this year, but you got to hire the guy because you got to have him in case you might need him. So you pay the guy all year long, pay the lady all year long. Because you just might need them. You got software tools sitting in your business, right, that are hooked up to. My gosh, we know how software can be. It can be a mess, hooked up to hooked up to hooked up to hooked up. And you're paying the annual fee because it's what they said you should buy, but you don't use it. Or, or that, that software tool could be a sheet of paper, but you don't use paper because paper's boring. So you got the software tool because you can click things and slide them around. But then you got to have people to support the tool, right, and yada, yada, yada. So you end, up, you end up with, frankly, a bloated business. You end up carrying around costs. This is like companies uh, – uh, uh, this is like physical product companies that carry, that carry too much inventory. You know, you got – the money is tied up in the stuff you got in the warehouse. No one's buying it, but you got inventory in the warehouse. This is very, very – it's a very similar dynamic inside, inside a, a service-based business. You got inventory. You got stuff you're not using. Just sitting in the sitting in the back, and that money, that time, that energy could certainly be used to do to do something else. So, you know, we can go further if we like. But but those those two things I think I think highlight um, why it's why. Actually, wait, there's, there's there's one more important part of this. How did you get into being a full service agency in the first place? Whatever, how did you? Who said it was smart in the first place? Because because doing everything for the client on its face sounds very smart. Don't worry, client. We can do it all. That sounds so smart. But if we can go one notch into that, if we're honest, you can't do it all. If we're honest, just me talking to you, you talking to me. Right now, I can't see you because you're listening. You're watching right now. I I can't see you. But if we're honest with, with, with one another, you can't do it all. There are things that you just don't do well. So what happens is you tell a client you can do it all, all 45 pieces. Then you get to part 35, 36, and all of a sudden it, it's not as strong. And then the, 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 yeah. uh, the project begins to break down. And sooner or later, that broken project, whose fault is it, it's yours. The client yeah. comes back to you. It broke. You did 35 things well. And now here you are being nitpicked on the last mm-hmm. seven or eight. And you're upset. You're bothered. But see, because you promised things that were outside of your, of, of, of your ability, so um, again another, another long answer, but these are the things that weigh on people, no one talks about them, and it 's not until it 's really, really bad you go looking for help, and sometimes you find sometimes they, sometimes you can 't be helped and yuck
0: <laughs> yuck <laughs> yeah. sometimes the answer is yuck what can a consultant do who recognizes that they're in that situation where they've tried to uh be the equivalent of the the landscape person who not only mows lawns but repairs chimneys and (laughs) cleans your gutters and washes your windows and you know doesn't like you said do one of those things that great let's say but they offer it uh but then has the realization that, okay, I, I do need to make uh, that attitude shift here and not like shrink down, but focus. Yeah. You know, how can they make the decision about what to cut and what to keep?
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so the word here is focus. The word here is focus. When you start talking like this, uh, people hear, um, uh, they hear a loss of opportunity mm-hmm. because if I can, and that, that, that's the number one Objection, if you will, right? If we're talking sales, that's the number one object uh, objection I get when clients want to work with me. It's, there's this feeling of if I can do five things and I choose to only do four, that I'm losing the money on number five. And you know, I understand that. I acknowledge that. And 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 um, I can't fix that. That's not a thing to be fixed. I I think it's a thing to be honest about. So if you got if you got five things. I'm asking you where the money's coming from. I'm asking you where the money's coming from. What are you being paid for? If if I take away, if I take away thing number five, are you still being paid? Okay, if, if I, if I take, take away thing number four, are you still being paid? So we can keep going down, going down, down this list, right? If I, if I, if I, if I keep going, when do you stop getting paid? <laughs> so if we go here and we go here, you go, wait, 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 I was like, if, if, if I take that away, they won't pay us. Cool. That stays that stays. And then, and then we, you and know, then, and then we, 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 we can, we can continue the, but the, this doesn't work. The truth, Jason, this doesn't work without the truth. We've got to be honest about what we're doing well. And, and this doesn't have to be a sense where we lose anything. Um, but it is an honest conversation where, again, it could be you and a consultant, you and a coach. It can be you and your team, you and your number one, you know, you and your your partner in crime, so to speak, you and your partners. And you're having the honest conversation about when we get paid, what are they really paying us for? And I think, I think for, for, um, for, for, for most people, the clients that I work with, there's a bit of a shock here because you don't know.
0: Right. You really don't know. Yes. I absolutely agree. It's like, how, how do you know what's profitable for you? And so what do you do then? Do you have to go back and interview your clients and past clients and say, what did you really find valuable?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that is, that is, that is one practical way of doing it is is uh, seriously getting, mm-hmm. and when we say interview your clients, we're not talking about this overly structured business thing. Mm-hmm. We're, t- we're, we're, we're humans having real conversation, which, by okay. the way, I, is a incredibly powerful tool. That you know, I'll, I'll be interview number two. But the, the the value of conversations, um, it is the goals you're after. But most folks do a terrible job having conversations, and that's why other things don't happen well. Whole thing, not right now. You asked the question. Let's let's, let's stay here. So, um, um, uh, interviewing interviewing your clients is simply a matter of, hey, we, we, we've been working with you guys for the last six months. We've been working with you guys for the last six hours. We're working with you guys for the last two weeks. And I, I got to tell you, I, I'm too close to what, to what we do. So I'm asking you honestly, why'd you choose to work with us? Okay, we've done these four deliverables at this point. Which is your favorite? Why? Let them tell you. Let them tell you. And 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 if you if you'll get your ego, if you'll kind of you know kind of scrub your ego for a moment and put it, and put it to, to to the side, they'll flat out tell you, man. It's amazing what people will just come out and tell you if you ask them honestly. If you put that sales junk in there you won't you won't get an honest answer you yeah, yeah i feel manipulated but if you just let me if you if you let me tell you how i'm feeling about what, what you've offered me what you what you're doing for me i'll tell you the truth and it, it won't take long to get, to, get to, to 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 the truth you're after so there is so that i'm just seriously Asking past clients, current clients, will take will take you a long way. If you choose not to go that route, if you choose, if you can't go go that route, another practical way of the, of, of, of doing that. I have my clients in, in our coaching work. There's a there's an exercise we go through, and there's a grid that we that we come up with. It's a very academic way of separating projects that you that you've that you've been on, and you will. It, it forces you. This exercise forces you to remind yourself of the best work you've done. And so when you remind yourself, oh, that client, oh, that thing, right? And when you get there, you stay there. We wanna recreate that client. Sometimes it's one big project, you gotta cut it in half. I loved the beginning, hated the end, or vice versa. (laughs) I hated the beginning, loved the end. Okay, great. So the, the part that we remember, oh, we did that work for them, and that was really good, that was really good. Let's repeat that. How do we repeat? that. But again what you find from that may be different than what your ego wants to uh wants to continue. Um you may find that you know your ego tells you something else is important. So you got to be okay with, with what the data gives you. But man, I think we all agree if you're in the service business, uh, of being service in, in service to others, we all love the smile on our client's face. When we've done something good and that client goes, "Man, thank you so much. We couldn't have done this without you." If that's the result you're after, then, then let's do the tasks that get us to that result. So we can satisfy them, or we can satisfy us. Now that's a, which you know you can do either one you want, um, but it's more profitable to, to satisfy them. Your you know your choice.
0: Right, and it sounds so simple. Oh, just ask your your clients and your past clients. Nobody does it. I, Nobody does, it, it. And, and I don't know why. It is easy to do. I wouldn't do it by email, um, and. What you said about forgetting, like about the best projects you've done, I totally identify with that. Happens to me all the time. I'll I'll suddenly remember something I did three years ago, or ten years ago, or even a job that I had. That's right in the early two thousands, and I'll go, "Oh my gosh, I completely forgot that that happened there. I had that experience, and there's expertise and value there that's waiting to be mined that that we've just utterly forgotten about." so that I'm imagining like a two by two graph or something like that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, of what you were talking about. Uh, Let's dig into scope creep for a moment. uh, And then I think we'll wrap up because we definitely, I'm sure peaked a lot of imagination here. And, uh, and as you said, do have room for another discussion, which I would love to have. Scope creep is a kind of a weird thing. Uh, You mentioned it before, like you touch it, you buy it. Um, you know, you own it, right? If you, if you do part 62 in your consulting project, then that may not be the best thing that you do and you break it, you own it. And, uh, (laughs) come and complain at you about that. And who cares about the other 61 things that you did, right? Uh, How does scope creep happen for, for regular consultants who haven't productized their business and what can they do about it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I think there are, there are, there are a couple of that, that of dynamics at play. Um, um, here is, here's the, if I can get it down to one idea, the wrong person is in control of the project. That's how scope creep happens. The wrong person is in control of the project. Al who should be, who should be in control of the project? The expert should be in control of the project. If you are volunteering for surgery, you submit yourself to the doctor. Doctor, I am sick, make me well. <laughs> That's what happens, right? He is the expert, she is the expert, we are, we are going in for surgery, okay? So if your client is working with you, you are the surgeon, you are the doctor. It is, it is up to you to determine how this surgery needs to unfold. And if you ask the client, what they th- or the patient, what they think they want out of surgery, they will tell you terrible things because they don't know medicine and they'll hurt themselves, right? So, so and if that analogy doesn't, doesn't work for you, right, they are the child and you are the parent. And there's nothing wrong with the child. But if you ask the child what they want for dinner, they will tell you candy, pizza and candy. Now, as the adult, you know better. You know that pizza and candy forever will kill you. Not a good idea, okay? So then, so then your responsibility as the parent is to give the child what, what, the, what they need in order to grow. Now, someone just got offended because they want, I'm not a parent, I'm not a child, and you missed the point. Okay, the, 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 the essence here is if you are the expert in the room, you are the leader in the room, and they are following your leadership. And when you allow that, fund, that fundamental to break, it's your fault. We cannot blame the client for not knowing what to do. If the client knew what to do, they would have done it without you. They came to you because they need your leadership. So use, use whatever analogy you like. When you break that rule, it's broken. Okay. So, then, so and then madness ensues and no one's happy. Ugh, whose fault is that? Okay. So how does it happen? So where, where can that rule be broken in the, in the typical process? Many times it begins, the breakdown begins with the custom proposal process, mm-hmm. the way you engage with the client in the, in the first place. And for most consulting firms, if it, you, know, you, if you work, used to work for an agency, used to work for a firm, uh, you know, and now you're starting your own, this is how you do it. The, the, the custom proposal RFP thing is simply how you do it. It's a whole song and dance, won't explain it. I'm assuming you've already gone through that on, on some level if you're listening right now. So you do custom proposal. The problem with that, how does it break the rule the client is asking you for what they want the client is saying we we we, we have an issue in our business we'd like it resolved please describe to us how you think you would resolve it if the client understood their issue well they wouldn't need you you don't go to the dentist when you understand what's going on with your tooth you ask him i hurt help me understand should my tooth be removed or repaired I can't see it, I don't understand it, I need you to tell me. But if, a cl- if, a, if, you, if, a, if the patient goes to the dentist and says, please remove my tooth, no dentist does that under, uh, uh, um, ethically. Mm-hmm. No, de- no dentist just says, yes, okay, sure, and just yanks your tooth out. There's always the analysis that happens, right? Right. So this whole custom proposal thing has the client in control of, what, of, of the project. They're telling you what they think they want and they're defining the terms of how it's delivered and they're determining the price they want to pay for that. If they could do all that, they would have done it already. Okay, so broken, broken model. Then once you get into the, the, uh, the, the actual delivering of the, of the service, once you get into the service, the client always makes one-off asks. Hmm. Always. Right? I got to, hey, there's a guy, he wasn't in the first meeting. Can I bring him to, to, to the second meeting? He's got a couple of ideas. hey i've been thinking that hey uh uh, can you add a color red yellow blue hey can we do this page four different ways hey that thing you submitted it was really nice but i'd love it if it if it if it worked this way instead you mind making that change for me no big deal right okay those and sometimes those asks are well intended They, they don't mean they don't mean to break the project but what they're doing is they're making recommendations on how surgery is done a surgeon would never accept you would never even think of doing that with a surgeon. You'd never go to the surgeon and and recommend how to do, you'd never do that, you'd never do it. But it happens to us all the time. So now here we are, the one-off ask, if you take the first ask, there's a second, and a third, and a ninth, and a 22nd. So here you are with all all these additional asks that that have now been inside the project. Hey everybody, how many times are you compensated for the additional ask? How many times do, are you, are, is the ask made and a budget comes with it? Hey guys, hey, I'm asking you to make, to make this change and we're gonna put five grand on, on this change. How often does that happen? And by how often, I mean never, <laughs> or just about never, right? Like that just, that's just not how it goes. The assumption is you can lump this, this additional ask in with, with, with what you're already doing. Since you're already at work, go ahead and do this too. And again, eventually that extends into a project that's very different than what you signed up for. It's very different than what you've been paid for. And it could be very different than, than from what you optimized for. As a company, you're very good at blank. But now you're doing blank two, three, four. You're not, you're not good at two, three, four. You're good at blank. So these, those, are, those are simple places where And those, you know, cuts proposal, many, many spots in there where, where, where scope creep can happen inside the arrangement, especially the longer the arrangement, the the, the, the more chances to, to do these things. So so let me paint a different picture while, while we're while we're in this moment. There is a way of doing business where where you can where you can tell the client up front what they're going to get client. It's a pleasure meeting you today. Tell me about what you've got going on. One, two and three. Got it. I understand that. We can solve for one, two, and three. Here's how we do it. It's already organized. We do it. We do it. We do it this way. We do it this way. Method. We do it. We do it under this time frame. We we do it with at this price figure. If you want to solve one, two, and three, we can start that right now. What do you say? Most consulting firms can't make that proposition. Right. They have to go through four more conversations. Scope creep. There it is. A custom proposal. But the ability to hear that problem. Hear it, confirm it, and then immediately start work on it, it is such a, such a sexy proposition. You just say to everybody, Time. I don't have to go talk to nine, nine, nine other vendors. I don't have to think about this for, for 20 more weeks. And in, internally in, in your company, same thing. You don't have to go chase nine more clients or think about it for 20 more weeks. Okay, there. So then once you're inside the actual service, you're delivering the actual service. We all know what we're getting now. So now we know that we, don't, we can't make one-off asks. I agree to a scope of work already. I agree to it, we're, we're moving, it's happening. So any one-off work I, I request interrupts my um, speed to, to the goal. I already know that as a client. I, I agreed, I wanna get here under this time frame. So if I make a one-off ask, I'm breaking it. Why would I wanna do that? So this simple idea of productizing changes both dynamics. You know, I say this a hundred times. I'm saying it now for, you know, a hundred and one. If you make the choice to productize, if you you make the choice to to productize, sales is faster. Delivery is faster. Sales is easier. Delivery is easier. The price point of sales goes up and so does the satisfaction of the client. It's a fundamentally better way of doing business if you'll make the brain shift so that there's your, there's, there's, there's your, your, your challenge, right?
0: Right. Well, I love what that commitment brings you, though. It just seems to change the behavior of everyone involved and <laughs> all for the better. So Alze, how can people get a hold of you? And yes, sir. I,
1: I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, website is www.covetedconsultant.com. Um, I have a YouTube channel uh, where, where I have I have ha, I had this conversation every day. Um, um, I think it really is a game changer. So, uh, I think it's really, really important as you can hear. Um, so YouTube channel is the same name, coveted consultant. You can type that in, in the, in the search bar and the, and, and the channel comes up. Um, um, I've got plenty of, of, of information. If, you know, if you're interested in doing, in doing work with me, it's not hard to figure out how to do that, but I think, you know, the content will come first. So whether, whether you go to the website or you go to the, uh, YouTube channel, uh, you can get what
0: you need. Yeah, and as I said at the beginning of this whole thing, I, that's how I found Alze and I highly recommend that content. Uh, I go back there every so often. Every I don't know, probably every six weeks, I find myself back in there reviewing something. Um, there was a time when I watched everything from A to Z. Yeah, I appreciate Just, that. I started at the very beginning, watched those early videos, and then you kind of hit your stride on uh, on a certain format and it's, it's gone on from there. So thanks uh, a lot for being here. Alze. appreciate it. Uh, my guest today has been Alze Calhoun coveted consultant.